Have you ever thought about the fact that people in the church should have the healthiest relationships? After all, you've got a room full of people trying to look like Christ. So in theory, relationships in the church should be marked by love and joy and kindness, yet so often they are just as messy and just as broken as they are anywhere else. We decided that's not okay. So we sat down with some of our people and just started asking questions in an attempt to figure out where things have gone wrong. So if you felt for a while like there's something off about relationships in the church, you're not alone. And we'd love to invite you on this journey as we figure out what it looks like to do this well. Welcome to Something's Off. Welcome to another episode of Something's Off. I'm your host, Joshua Story, and I'm joined by my co-host this week, Benjamin Fuquay. Hey, Josh. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, So we had the privilege of sitting down with a few college students and just kind of walking through the ups and downs, the good and the bad of the college dating scene. And I thought it was actually a really insightful time. It really was. It was a blast. I I love, too, how... Uh, specifically these college students, just the vulnerability they have. Totally. And I, I think it really shows a maturity that the, specifically these college students, uh, there's a maturity there that allows them to be vulnerable because uh, they don't have to put on masks. And so I really appreciated that about our conversation. Man, I completely agree. Uh, so let's just dive straight in. Here is our conversation with our college students. Well, all right. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Uh, so excited for uh, our little conversation here. Um, before we start, I want to go ahead and put voices to names because that's kind of hard to know who people are sometimes in the podcast world. So we'll start over here. Uh, go ahead and tell us your name, where you're from, and uh, what year you are in school. Well, hello. My name is Kaylee Westra, and I am from Long Beach, California, and I'm currently a senior at TCU. Hi, I am Sam Miocich. I am from Colleyville, Texas, and I'm a senior nursing major at TCU. What's up? My name is Preston Edison, and I am a senior at TCU, and I'm from Weatherford, Texas. Hey, I'm Zach Verslaus from Edina, Minnesota, and I'm also a senior at TCU. Cool. Well, good deal. Starting off, let me ask you this. If you could choose one word to describe the college dating scene, what word would you choose? I'm going to go with confusing. I just think in our day and age, there's so many different like levels of relationships that people can be in. There's like, oh, we're just talking or we're in like or we're exclusive or we like each other, but we're not exclusive. We're letting each other do our own thing. We're dating or we're like broken up, but we're still talking. There's just like so many different like statuses. Um, and especially you put in the hookup culture, it makes it so much more complicated. And I feel like you never know where anyone's really at. Um, and it just is really confusing and just not clear, I would say. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I feel like talking was one of those things that early on when people are like, yeah, we're like talking. It's like, cool. Like, what does that mean you know and that's just like one of so many different ways to like define relationships I feel like can be super confusing I I don't watch it often but my wife made me watch The Bachelor Uh, (laughs) I learned that there's this whole thing of you you love somebody or you're falling in love or now there's even this category of like you think you're falling in love (laughs) and that was like a whole like status of like I think I'm starting to fall in love with you (laughs) which was a different thing than I am yeah yeah it's super confusing Yeah. Cool, Sam. How about you? Yeah. um, Kale, I loved your answer. I would totally agree. I think the one word I would describe as the college dating scene um, would be really just drastic. Um, It can be on one end of the spectrum or the other, whether it's um, someone who um, is really pursuing um, a girl or someone who's just a little bit more passive and the intentions aren't super clear, um, whether they're talking or exclusive, not exclusive. I just feel like there's so many different ends of the spectrum and the list goes on and on, um, which is definitely frustrating um, and definitely needs to be cleared up. But um, yeah, that would be the one word I would describe it. Cool. Uh, I think for myself, both of you had words. I was like, dang, I can use this. <laughs> um, similarly complicated, so a little bit different. But I mean, I just think of my own views and how much they've changed on dating since my freshman year of college. And it's from 
um, two different spectrums, like the drastic, I'm like, oh my gosh, like at the beginning, I mean, I was in a relationship with this girl and I was like, oh, this is how you do it. And now I'm like completely into the spectrum. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was doing that then. And things can just get so foggy and obscure. And it's, it's like, this is a new thing that we're doing. It's not like this has been around forever. So especially in like our cultural context of you know, like we're in college and like the people around us are doing this and like what is okay. And like, it just really, I think depends on the crowd we're hanging out with. Um, and so like, I know that's changed a lot of like how I view dating. Yeah. Even like, what's the point of it and why right. do you do it and stuff like that? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, totally. Cool. Zach. Yeah. I think for me, really what, what I think it comes down to at the end is just backwards. And I was thinking about kind of just what I've seen and really kind of what's part of my story too is like the non-committal aspect of it. Like in some ways you want to commit as much as possible, but on the other side, it's like you're trying to not commit as much as possible mm. and kind of, you know, play the field. I feel like is mm. something that people talk about a lot, um, at least from the guy's perspective. And so I think it's kind of just been really backwards in that way. And I think that's kind of leading to a lot of other problems also. Yeah, totally. So what I'm gathering from all of your answers is healthy is not the word you would describe <laughs> the college dating experience with. Um, so let me ask you this. Um, I want to start by talking about expectations versus experience. Um, what did you kind of expect the dating scene in college to be like, and how has your experience compared to that expectation? I think, uh, for myself, I, because like I was in a relationship going from high school to college, um, I think a good way to describe this is just like ignorance is bliss. And so I was like, oh, this is going to be so easy. Like, we're just going to date. And I think to, to go off to like Zach's point, like the non-committal side, I was just so passive in like how I was pursuing that relationship at the time that I was like, oh, this is easy. I can do whatever I want. And because of that, I was like, oh, like I can just kind of get whatever I want. And I was like, oh, my expectations are this is going to be super fun and I'm going to get everything I want. And then, yeah. Uh, Preston, I'm right with you. I think, um, you know, not, not coming into college ever having dated anyone my kind of expectation was almost the same of just like um like this is my time you know to jump in and do whatever and no one's kind of really watching me anymore I'm at this new place and I don't have anyone that knows me or knows who I was um and so it's kind of really just like the training wheels are off almost yeah. and um yeah so I think that's kind of was what my expectation what the beginning was for me yeah. Mm -hmm. I think um, for me personally, coming into college, my expectations for dating were just definitely higher because I think throughout my high school experience, I had over only ever dated and talked to guys who didn't know Jesus. And my outlook on that before I came to pursuing a relationship with Christ was, oh, if they care about me, like that's all that matters. Or um, if they're nice to me and they love me, they we don't have to have the same foundation, um, which looking back... Um, is baffling. Um, but I'm thankful that now I can see that. But coming into college, my freshman year, I was definitely like, okay, we're in college, we're mature, you're going to have friendships that you're going to have for the rest of your life. Like, it is just going to be polar opposite compared to the high school experience. And the reality of it is, going from high school to college, we're still broken people in need of a savior. And um, just because you are so-called like an adult and you grow up and you move out of your parents' house, it doesn't mean that like the sin and the brokenness of the world doesn't come with you. And so that was just a thing for me of recognizing even in relationships of, oh, these people are still going to fail me even if we're supposed to be grown up and in college. And so um, throughout my time at TCU and college, it was definitely the shift from my freshman year of not being content in singleness and like, okay, I'm not okay. The Lord is calling me to a life of singleness and wrestling through that. And, um, ultimately coming to terms with like, Hey, his plans are so much sweeter for my life. And so, um, yeah, definitely expectations kiboshed. Um, but praise God for that because, um, I think sometimes expectations can be really healthy. Um, when you know, not necessarily what you deserve, but what Christ has set out for you and what he has done and to not settle for something um, less than a relationship that'll push you towards um, the cross every day. Totally. I would say for me, I definitely also came in with very high expectations. I feel like in my little Christian bubble back home that I was in, it was just the norm of like, when you go to college, that's when you're going to find like your husband or find your wife. And um, I had had like some pretty rough relationships in high school. So I was excited 
to go to college. And I think I went in with like the mindset of like, I'm going to have a ring by spring my senior year (laughs) and I'm going to start dating someone my freshman year and it's going to be great. And I think when I got to college, I, at least at TCU, I think I was just very taken back by just the lack of like healthy relationships that were happening. I, I felt like every guy I met either was not pursuing Jesus or they were just in it for hookups. And like, there's just such, such a lack of commitment. Um, and I think like for myself, I was just, just had in my head the whole time of like, well, everyone at home, like my whole family and all my friends back home are expecting me to find my husband in this time. Um, I like need to like bring that back like home for them. And like, I, I felt like if I didn't have a relationship in college, I would have been a failure. Um, and like my family would make fun of me when I came back for like breaks and stuff about that too. Cause every other sibling in my family had a boyfriend or was engaged. <laughs> um, but I think because of that, it's super easy. And I know like I'm not, this is not just me, but I know a lot of girls talk with this as well, but just like feeling the need to settle for guys because like college is the time for us to like, get boyfriends and to get engaged and get married. And so I think uh, like, at least for me, I really um, like settled for a few relationships and didn't let like my relationship with Jesus be the forefront of that and be, um, and be letting the Holy spirit convicting me of these relationships. It very much so was like, okay, Jesus, I don't trust that you're going to lead me to a godly man and I don't see any options. And the only godly men I see are already wifed up or engaged or something. Um, so I was like, okay, well, if I don't see anyone, then I'll just take this, these matters into my own hands. And I think like that definitely just produced a lot of hurt and just a lot of confusion and just a really dry season in my relationship with Jesus where I was just pursuing my own thing because I didn't trust that Jesus would, could provide someone who was actually, going to pursue me, um, well and love me like Jesus does and, um, just lead me in a way that has Jesus at the core. And, um, yeah, I just feel like relationships in college are, it's, it's, it's hard to find that hope, especially just because in our culture nowadays, it gets so twisted with what relationships need to look like and to keep your eyes set on something that's like good and something that's of the Lord and rooted in him. It almost seems impossible. I feel like times. Totally. Yeah, I feel like that that hope piece is huge because I think that oftentimes people go to college with this almost like putting their hope in finding a spouse. And I know that for me, when I went to school, I went to a college where if you didn't graduate with a significant other, a fiance, a wife, or like a prospect, like you're doing something wrong, right? Like it was like a marriage factory almost. And so it just felt like, oh my gosh, like what's wrong with me? if senior year comes and like, I'm not in that place, you know? And I think Mm -hmm. that so many people can find themselves in that place where they're, they feel a sense of hopelessness, but also they feel a sense of, um, have I done something wrong? Is there Mm -hmm. something wrong with me? And that's such a defeating place to be. And it's just not true. Yeah. I remember kind of going off what you were saying, Kale, um, my freshman year, I got on the phone with a couple of my family members the first month of school and their first questions were, how are the boys? How are the parties? Like, have you gone on dates? Like, do you have a boyfriend? And it's literally like three weeks into freshman year. And I'm like having the greatest time making the sweetest friendships. And I, it was at that point, I think three or four weeks in that I was like, oh my gosh, am I like doing college wrong? Like, am I supposed to be, um, in that whole scene and going on dates with all these people. And so that expectation of thinking, oh my gosh, my family has this set of expectations for myself that I didn't even know that I needed for myself. And so that was in that, um, brought me to a place of like, okay, Jesus, like, is this actually like what you're calling me to, or what does that look like to be fully satisfied in you? And so I think sometimes even like the people around you, when they set those expectations for you, especially if they're not coming from people who love Jesus, is really hard because it makes you second guess and just another opportunity for the enemy to just um, plant a little seed or manipulate or um, put a little thought that can go down a rabbit trail. And that's when it's like, okay, let me captivate that thought and make it obedient to Christ. And so in that, I feel like I learned a lot, but I totally agree with you, Kale. So Kale, a minute ago, you mentioned hookup culture. Uh, For those that might not know what that is or what that entails, uh, give us a quick definition of what that means. So essentially hookup culture is basically what 
I feel like almost every single non-Jesus pursuing relationship starts off as in college. Um, in college, I feel like people think it's a time or they just view it as a time of, okay, we're just going to go like get drunk on the weekends, party. Um, and at the end of the night, you find someone, you go home with them, hook up with them, um, leave the next morning and that's the end of it. And there's nothing that comes of it. Um, and so essentially hookup culture is just like people hook up with everybody and it means nothing. Um, it's just the instant gratification of like having worth and having purpose. And I feel like almost, um, now that it's become so big and just so normal, um, it's almost like if you're not hooking up with someone, you're almost shamed for it of like, what's wrong with you? Like nobody likes you. Um, and a lot of people are finding their worth and finding their purpose in how many hookups they can get and if they're hooking up with someone or not type of deal. Feel free to add on to that, everybody. Yeah. So just to add on to that, like from the guy's perspective, I know it's just like a, there's like a competitive nature to it almost where it's like, it's not about like, obviously like the relationship, it's about like the body count, like how many girls have you slept with? And uh, like, oh, you've only like slept with five. Like, oh, what dude, like I'm at like 10. Like this is like a, just another way to one up each other. Yeah, I think that's actually really insightful because I agree that in the guy world, I think so often uh, the more girls that you can sleep with is seen as a positive in male culture. But I'm curious from the female side, is that the same or how does that differ? Well, I think it's different for each person. Like I know like commonly for guys, it's like, oh, like I feel more masculine and I feel mm. um, like more of someone who's a wanted and more as like a what's the word? A hot commodity. Yeah. A hot commodity. If I sleep with more girls, but I think on the girls end, um, if you're sleeping with a bunch of guys, girls often say, Oh, that girl is like a hoe or she's like, it's really trashy. Um, but I think, so I think that's, that's where it gets like kind of funky because, because on the guys end, it's like, Oh, like you're cool if you have a lot of hookups, Mm -hmm. but for girls, at least from girls to girls, it's like if you're hooking up with a bunch of people, you're trashy. But also it's like girls do it so often, I think, because they are just like searching for that instant gratification yeah. and they're searching just for the desire to be wanted because it's so rare nowadays, which is sad, but it's, it's rare to find a guy who actually wants to pursue you outside mm-hmm. of a hookup. Um, and so there's so many, there's like thousands of girls on our campus and lots of campuses that are just desiring to be loved and be wanted. And the only way that they can see themselves getting that is through hookups. And so I think that is why girls are like often so invested in like, and just want to do that Mm -hmm. because they just want to feel cherished, want to feel loved. Even if after the fact it leads to like shame and guilt Mm -hmm. or even like some girls like don't really feel anything afterwards. And they're like, Oh, it's just a hookup. It's Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, but they're just like searching for that instant, like, oh, I'm wanted no matter yeah. what the outcome yeah. is. I think too, praise God, um, that's not something that is a part of my story. Um, my sin looks different. And um, I think it's really easy to, in a way, um, to look at um, girls in that culture or in that scene. And I think Kale um really hit this home in the sense of the desire to be seen and valued and cherished. And it's all rooted in something so much deeper than just the hookup. And so I think for me, walking through life with girls who are younger than me and friends that I'm doing life with alongside, um, the core desire isn't that they feel good when that's the case. Sure, the instant gratification, um, absolutely. But I would say probably 80 to 90% of the time, it's not even that they enjoy it. It's just um, the ultimate desire to be seen and loved. And so, um, yeah, I think that ultimately it's it's hard to nail it on the head of mm-hmm. um, what that looks like for everyone because it is so different. But um, ultimately, I think it's rooted in something different and my outlook on it, because that's not something that my flesh personally like struggles with. And that's not something that I combat on a daily basis. My heart position towards that needs to be different than, oh, she's X, Y, Z, or oh, she's this and that, because my sin may not look visible as hers might be from um, a society perspective. And so, um, yeah. Cool. I'm curious, 
Kales, you said, you know, how rare it is to find a godly guy. So without like throwing all the guys under the bus. <laughs> yeah. After I said that, I was like, Wait, well, honestly, I, well, I think it's, I mean, I think that is a sentiment that I have heard time and time and time and time again from godly women in college just for fun, right? We won't quote you on this, although technically you were quoted because it's on a podcast. <laughs> um, what would be a percentage of y'all's experience? So I'm talking to the, the ladies. How many, let's say there's a hundred, let's say there's 2,000 guys on your campus. How many, I mean, how many of those people have you come in contact with that you're like, that's a godly guy pursuing a, a godly girl? Like, what's the percentage there? Give me a, give me a number, Sam. I see you smirking. Uh, what, what do you, what do you think? I mean, what's been y'all's honest experience in this culture? Yeah. Um, I think TCU kind of gives us a run for our money because the, <laughs> the ratio is just not in the guy's favor either. Um, which is kind of hard. Um, I think personally, a lot of my experiences with seeing godly men pursue um, godly women has been in my friendships and seeing the way that they have pursued some of my best friends. And so, which has been really sweet to walk alongside. But I think from an outs, from just your initial question, percentage, maybe 10, five, 10%. I don't know. And that's, that's my personal. And I think too, I'm, I'm more of a girl's girl. Like I don't have a ton of guy friends. So like, I mean, I love the guys that I'm friends with, but I'm not like a girl that hangs out with like 20 guys all the time. And so I feel like I probably don't have, um, a correct judgment, but from the guys in our ministry and other friends ministries and seeing what that looks like, it's slim to none. Also to just kind of piggyback off of that, I think a big, um, like a big reason for your answer in that is like, who are the people you're surrounding yourself with? Because like, I can tell you my like fresh and sophomore, like part of my junior year, the people I was surrounding myself with, like it was probably like 0.2% of the 2000. You, were, couldn't, you couldn't find any. Yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't see anyone. Um, and I think if you're more on the side of like, I just have like great church community and those are my best friends. I don't really hang out with many people mm-hmm. outside. I think then your percentage is a lot bigger. So, I mean, for a lot of girls who are like, why can I find anyone? And like, this was me, like fully like, just admitting right now. Like I was like, why can I find anyone? Well, I wasn't surrounding myself with Christian community and people that were pursuing, pursuing Jesus. So like, I don't know why I assumed that I would find someone who was really pursuing Jesus to pursue me well, when I wasn't even surrounding myself with that crowd. I think that's a great observation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's so true. And guys, y'all see that too. I mean, you see other guys at TCU and, and other college campuses and you're around other people. Would you would you kind of agree, sadly, that that's the culture? Yeah, guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real, like, it's, I, I don't know what it is, like, guy culture. It's like, v- very rarely, like, socially rewarded to do, like, the Christian relationship. So it never happens. Mm-hmm. Dude, that's, I think, a really profound point. There's a researcher, scholar named Donna Fritis, uh, who's done a lot of work on hookup culture specifically, and she found that when she got college students one-on-one, the majority of them didn't actually enjoy or want to be a part of it. They actually desired like dating and romance and kind of what their initial freshman year expectations were, yet they had kind of morphed into these people that they never really wanted to be. And I think, to your point, a lot of that stems from you're not rewarded as a guy for doing it the quote-unquote right way. You're not mm-hmm. rewarded as a dude for you know, pursuing a girl well and communicating well and all that stuff. Um, for you guys, what does it feel like on the opposite end? Do you, do you feel like you're losing at times because you're in the minority by trying to do the right thing? I would say, I mean, definitely the minority. I, again, it, it just goes back to who you're surrounding yourself with. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like I'm around a, a ton of guys that I don't want to look like. And because like, I'm like, all right, well, I, I've seen it done well. And I've seen it done like in a way where I'm like, man, like this is good. And I've seen the couple be blessed by that. So I'm like, man, I want to run after that. Mm-hmm. And so because like, that's the truth, like I'm like, all right, well, let me surround myself with people that are going to do that. Because like, I've obviously like experienced in my own past, just like the brokenness of like doing it the wrong way, by just like going in, starting with again, like the hookup and being like, oh, this is how we're going to do it. And like just running with that. And it's like, I left that relationship just full of codependency and my heart was just absolutely broken. And it took like two years before I was ready for another relationship because of that. And so at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, I don't want to go back there. That was terrible. (laughs) So, um, honestly, I forgot what the question was at this point. (laughs) Um, I, I love what you said. I mean, what, what got you to the point 
where you were done with that? Like what happened? You know, you're, yeah. you're chasing at, you're, you look like everybody else. It, what it felt like at least, mm-hmm. this is the whole culture. This is how we interact in the dating world. But something changed for you to where then you realized, okay, this isn't what I want anymore. What happened that made you ch- want to change? It was community, 100%. I mean, so I was, because I was dating this girl and like, again, just very sexually active, like as most as like I could have been, like just like I, I would have called myself a sex addict at that point. Um, and just like that was the norm. I was just like so in that. And it honestly it was, it was God because like I was like, okay, like I'm following Jesus and like I'm doing this. So I was like, this is a double whammy. Like I'm living like my best life here. And um, I had a guy just start to pull me and he was like, hey, dude, like, what do you like? He's like, first of all, he talked about like pornography and I never heard anyone talk about pornography before. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, why are you telling me this? I don't want to talk about this. So that kind of like the spark, the OK, not only like porn, but also sexual gratification other ways. Because all that stuff wasn't talked about. Right, right. You suppress that and it's yeah. happening, but you don't talk about it. Right. Absolutely. It was like something that I'm like, OK, like I know I shouldn't be doing this, but like I'm going to work on this on my own. Um, and so he really just brought things to light that I was like, oh my gosh, why are we bringing this up? And, um, he was like, Hey, I think you should break up with her. And I was like, dude, no, we're, we're good. We're, we're stopping that we're done. Um, but we weren't. And, um, it ultimately like she broke up with me and that's what took that shift. And at that point I had had community and because like I had these like core groups of guys around me at that point, that's what really, they were like, Hey dude, like don't run back. Cause in my past, like before, like I had known Christ cause I had been following the Lord for about a year. I totally would have run to like drinking and like going back to the party scene to just try to find that, that, that gratification again. But they were like, dude, there's something better here. And I was like, this sucks. Like I was depressed. I was so anxious. Um, but ultimately it was just those people being around me that were just like, dude, this is not good if you're just going to hurt yourself after hurting yourself. So that's cool. Yeah. I think there's a good point in there too. Cause what I said, what I said is that it's not socially rewarding to be like in a Christian relationship, but like, the reality is it's, like, very rewarding to be in a non-Christian relationship. It's just not rewarding long-term. Because, mm-hmm. like, in, in the moment, like, you're having a good time, like, for, the, you know, a couple months and, like, maybe even a couple of years. But, like, the long-term, like, it's not ending well anytime. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And so it was seeing community for you guys mm-hmm. that really shaped that there was a better way. I mean, something's off, yeah. right? And you were you were living in that, and Preston, you were living in that. But it was all of a sudden, it had been modeled a different, more rewarding way to to do this thing, and that's and that's was the starting point for that clicking for you. Yeah, absolutely. It took, it took people asking really hard questions. That's awesome. Cool. How have you guys seen dating done right? Obviously, there's a lot of things that are off. There's a lot of things that we can point fingers at and say that's off, that's wrong. Um, how have you guys seen dating done right during your college experience? My favorite word is intentionality. Um, I <laughs> to answer, I can't remember exactly what the wording in the question was, but um, I was gonna say that for me, it's not. Oh, I remember. It, for me, it's not really a struggle to do. I don't want this to sound humble, but for me, it's not really like hard with social pressures to do a relationship well really what's hard for me and where I have to check my heart a lot is like seeing how other guys do their relationships and not wanting to like slap them or like, <laughs> or, you know what I mean? Or like kind of judge them. It sounds really basic, but exactly what Zach said of like, I feel like that word is really thrown around a lot in the church. Um, but I think intentionality is the word that I would have to use too. Um, and the ability to like not be passive. I think anything that's the opposite of passivity, um, is intentionality. And, um, if a godly guy is wanting to pursue a girl, um, who is running after Christ and, um, he knows that that is something that would be glorifying to the Lord to at least see if that door opens. Um, it can't be passive. It can't be, Oh, like, let me just like lurk around and, um, see what comes about if she's flirting with me or if she's interested, because my outlook on that is if a guy sees characteristics in a godly woman that, um, would make an incredible wife or, um, just really embodies the image of God and is in pursuit of that's where her main identity and focus is. Um, then he shouldn't care if he looks dumb trying to pursue her and be intentional in that. And he falls on his face and she says no, because at least he went into that prayerfully and knowing that like, 
dang, if I, um, if I try my best shot and the Lord opens that door, then praise God. But also if not, at least I made her know that like she is valued for who she is and, um, she doesn't need to settle for a guy who won't, um, know her value and see that her identity is founded there. Yes. A verse that was big for me is in second Timothy two verse 22, it says flee from or flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And I feel like just the biggest thing in that in um, regards to relationships is just pursuing righteousness and how that needs to be the number one thing over anything else. And how I've seen it done really well is two people that are really pursuing Jesus and pursuing um, building his kingdom. And then they come alongside someone who's like, hey, let's do this together. Like I admire your heart for Jesus and I want to encourage you in that and push you in that. Um, Let's hold hands and run this race together. I think that's when I've seen it done really well. Um, Because ultimately, like to be a source for the person you're with, you yourself need to have a source that is the number one thing and comes first before the other person. And I think with that, like when you're pursuing Jesus and you're letting him be the one who's guiding you and you're letting the Holy Spirit be the one who's convicting you and encouraging you in different areas, um, when that's the case, you are just so much more, um, so much more free to give grace to the person. You're so much more wise in what you say and what you do. Um, because ultimately like your source is not like your gratification that you want. Your source isn't um, what the world is telling you a relationship should look like or what it should feel like. Like your source is like, okay, like I know these biblical truths and what a relationship should look like. The Bible doesn't talk much about dating and how that should all play out, but just like what it looks like to love someone well and um, just the purpose in um, marriage and stuff like that. And so I think like just with that just comes a lot of, like everyone is saying, a lot of intentionality, a lot of clarity, um, just lack of games because, um, I feel like with what I've seen of really awesome Christian couples that are pursuing Jesus, they're not there. They're not dating just for their own gratification and own satisfaction. Um, they're dating because they see um, qualities in another person that um, they can see themselves like chasing after Jesus together with. And um, they're just like not wasting their time playing games and just being dumb. Um, it's intentional and there's commitment and um, yeah. So that guy actually that I was talking about um, that was like starting to pull me, he was the one that I've really seen like do things well. Um, and again, started with the started with Jesus um, and the community of believers he was surrounded with. And he just like had them grill him, um, like just like really be like, hey, like, am I ready for a relationship? Like, can I lead this person well before even making a decision to start going on dates? And then just seeing him be so intentional. <laughs> <laughs> throughout the process of um, just leading her well. They dated for eight months, and I had never seen anyone do this before. They didn't kiss until their wedding day. And I was like, what in the world? But <laughs> it's been, um, like, so cool just to see their marriage now and, like, see how great it is, but also just to walk alongside him as he was going through that process. And, um, yeah, I, I know it's, like, blessed me a lot and has really shaped and informative of how I view dating at this point. So... Clearly, there's there's no biblical playbook on dating in, like, the modern world, right? As in, like, you know, what we do that's considered dating is so unique to when the Bible was written 2,000 years ago. Yeah, the Bible does speak a lot about relationships and how to navigate relationships with health and um, all that. What's something that you wish the church would be more vocal about when it comes to dating and talking about dating in the church? I feel like the church often puts Christian relationships on this pedestal of like, this is something you guys need to aim for and something that you guys should all have and have as your like ultimate thing, which I don't think is intentional in them doing that. They really want the people that they're leading people that they're preaching to and just guiding to have great Christian relationships. But I think it often can get taken from a congregation standpoint of, Oh my gosh, like I need to have a good Christian relationship. Like this is what I need to like shoot for. Like I, I need to pursue Jesus more so that I can get or have a good Christian relationship. Um, and I think there's just like not as much talking about when you are in the relationship of kind of what's next from there, because when we do view it as this is the ultimate thing of having this great Christian relationship, then when we get in it, I think it almost like is 
very disappointing and um just almost like wait this is all it is because at the end of the day like a relationship is two broken people that are now together um but they're still broken and there's still so much sin involved and it's not going to satisfy um our hearts and I mean at least for me I was just when I first came to college I was searching for that like I had this like vacancy that I'm like I need to have a good Christian relationship to fill this hole and to bring like pleasure to my family back home make them proud of me um that I didn't ever realize like, oh, when I do get in a relationship, like this isn't going to actually satisfy me. This is, that is just the beginning of so much more. Um, so I think it's important for the church to talk about, um, that yes, having a Christian relationship is awesome. But at the end of the day, um, if you're not pursuing Jesus and that's not the number one thing that's going on, you're never going to have a great relationship and you're never going to be able to pursue someone well, and you're never going to be able to offer grace and never going to, just be able to have a healthy relationship that is glorifying to Jesus and is building his kingdom. Um, because yeah, we are ultimately only satisfied by the Lord and, um, by relationship with him. So when we do get in a relationship with another person, it's just so important to remember that and to remember that even like when you're in the relationship, you can't make that your idol and you can't make that your ultimate thing. It's really, um, like this is someone who's just going to walk, run alongside of me on, in pursuing Jesus. And yeah, I feel like the end of that was just kind of, <laughs> no, that's, that's really good because mm-hmm. I, I feel like you're spot on. I think that there is a certain level of maybe idolatry, but this idea of, Oh, as soon as you get this relationship, mm-hmm. it's going to be awesome. And then I think a lot of people are very underwhelmed because they realize, Oh, I'm dating a sinner. And I thought it would be way better than it is. And like, it feels like every other relationship I've ever had Mm -hmm. to some extent, because you stick two sinners in a relationship and you're going to have tension and conflict and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And so, yeah, I think you're spot on of like, what does it look like to be in that relationship and to do that relationship well, as opposed to just attaining that because that's like the ultimate thing. Exactly. Exactly what I was going for. That's good. Yeah. I think too, Everything that you said, I would love to echo, uh, Kale. But um, when it comes to the church, too, I think that I have listened to podcasts and sat in sermons that talked about um, the value of singleness. And I think sometimes I myself need to approach that with a very... um, open heart because it can be a bitter conversation because you know that the answer is going to be, oh, well, Paul talks about how singleness is something to cherish and this is something that is good. And I think that even going back to what we were talking about before of the deeper rooted issue of things is the desire for things ultimately, like, I don't think that that's a bad thing. And I think that the Lord desires for us to be open with him. He's our father. He's our dad. He wants us to, he wants to meet us in whatever season and questions that we have. And so if the desire for me one day to like be a wife and have kids and be a mom and do that, I think that the Lord desires for me to bring that request to him, but also my reaction immediately after saying those things is like, okay, God, but like, if not, like I am completely and utterly satisfied and fulfilled in you alone and kind of bouncing off what Kale was saying of, um, I think in the church, it needs to be talked about more of the brokenness of marriage. Um, I would say five or six of my closest best friends are in serious relationships that they've been dating their boyfriends for, over two or three years. And so, um, it's been really, really sweet as a single woman to see the way, um, these guys have pursued my best friends and they love Jesus and their relationships are super glorifying to him, but it's hard and it's icky. And you take two broken people and try and, um, and their ultimate goal is to bring God glory. Oh, the enemy is not, um, fond of that at all. And so I think it can be something that's put on a pedestal of, okay, um, they're awesome. They're getting married. They're doing ministry together. They're doing life alongside each other because obviously that's what marriage is for is to bring God glory um, and a picture of Jesus in the church. But um, there is so much harder stuff um, and issues that will come with it. And so I think I've seen when people are vulnerable in relationships in marriage, I've seen 
a couple that I admire so much um, that are years ahead of me, but their marriage is totally glorifying to the Lord in every which way. But they have walked through really hard seasons. And I think that them sharing with me as a single college girl, the hard seasons is like, oh my gosh, it almost takes them off a pedestal of like, you're not perfect. Um, You (laughs) sin too, like you have ish to bring. And so I think for me, it kind of puts me in a hard position of like, okay, am I being vulnerable with where I'm at in singleness? Some days it'll be great and some days it might be really hard. And so being vulnerable to other people for them to recognize like my brokenness and also the brokenness of relationships, I think is something that the church needs to talk more about. And kind of spinning off what Preston was saying earlier, um, and he was talking about just like different sexual sin that guys um, are walking through that are trying to pursue Christ. I think the church doesn't talk enough about um, girls struggling with sexual sin and it's very taboo and something that's just not talked about. And so um, walking through friends and people in the church that love Jesus that are struggling with sexual sin um is really isolating when it's not brought um, into the light. And so I just wish that the church would be more vulnerable in that. I really like something you said, Sam. I think talking about this idea of singleness, especially in the church, I feel like we're kind of told or even the church tells everyone to be content and to be satisfied in your singleness. And if you're not satisfied, if you're not real content, then there must be something wrong. You don't love Jesus enough. And I think you hit the head, the nail on the head there. I, I, I think there's a... Dis- there's a distinguishing between kind of contentment and, and satisfied. I think I can, I think someone single could say, man, I don't know that I'm really satisfied in my singleness. I desire something else, but also can be content with what season they're in at that, at that point. But I think uh, it's almost like we give people a guilt trip. If man, if you're not fully satisfied in your singleness, then you, there must be something off about you as opposed to, uh, as opposed to really saying, Hey, you can, you can rest in contentment but also you can desire something else. And I think that's an important uh, important thing to separate for people uh, so that they can walk through different seasons and different times. I agree with that. I literally all throughout college, I was like, everyone always like, you need to be content in your singleness before you ever like find a husband. And I literally would like say like, well, guys, I'm never getting married because <laughs> I'm never yeah. not going to want to have yeah. a boyfriend or yeah. be engaged. So that definitely was so much truth and great wisdom. Doesn't it, almost, doesn't it almost feel like this thing you've got to get to? Like yeah. once yes. you become content, mm-hmm. it's like this weird like mm-hmm. superstition in Christianity. Once a girl gets content, that's when God gives her mm-hmm. a husband, <laughs> which it's is like, such a trap. Right. <laughs> I'm content now. Yeah. Where is he? You know? so. And then as soon as they ask for God, where is he? Oh, you must not be content. You're asking, is this trap? No, yeah. That's I think so from, I kind of shared this earlier, but in my, my freshman year, um, within the first couple of weeks of school and really wrestling with like, oh my gosh, I'm not okay. If God is calling me to a life of singleness for the rest of my life, like I am not happy. I am not okay. Like I want to be a mom more than anything. And like, I'm not okay with that. And I think there's a difference between that long story short, I ended up wrestling with that question for like a year. Um, and for a year I just kept asking the Lord, like, God, like you, I know that you alone satisfy, but this is a desire for me. And like I said before, like he desires for us to present, but also coming to the, coming to the end of that year, like, oh my gosh, God, if you have this in store for me, it's going to be amazing. And if you don't, it's still good. And kind of what you were saying too, Ben, I think that, um, there is that distinction between um, sat- being satisfied in Christ and and recognizing and knowing that he alone can satisfy me. A husband or a boyfriend will never be able to bring that to the table. But also, like, those desires are still good things and to talk about. But, yeah. I mean, even in our very walk with Christ, we're okay with that. Like, I can be content mm-hmm. with where I am in Christ, but I can also desire more. Mm-hmm. And that, that tension is something I think is important across the board in mm-hmm. relationships, but certainly that tension should be allowed in the church uh, when it comes to romantic relationships mm-hmm. to, okay, I'm going to be satisfied in Christ, but I, it's okay for me to also want to pursue and ask the Lord for, for more too and, and for something right and not to not compromise, but something good. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I think one thing I wish the church talked more about was like what does love look like and mm. like the idea of like you know like healthy love i feel like um i think ben actually a couple of weeks ago in one of your sermons like defined love it was like the first time in a long time where i'd heard it like from the stage or from a church or like any christian like source really and i think 
there's a lot of mm, like wrong things that could be considered like love or like yeah, showing totally. love. And I think, I think that's something I really wish that the church would cover more and like, what is, what is like healthy expressions of love look like? And, um, like how do you work towards that and things like that? Cause, um, I mean, kind of just going back to what I said in the very beginning, like it's, it's really kind of backwards. Um, and things that people think are acts of love are really like damaging to the relationship. Um, if you want to talk about like the spiral of like physicality, um, and like turning the relationship into something that's physical, like that's could be considered like showing love, but in the end it's really like doing more harm to the relationship than good. So I think something I wish the church talked about more was healthy, like expressions of love mm-hmm. and um, kind of just like what love looks like in a Christian relationship. Totally. I think there's a few things um, that I wish like were talked about more. Um, for me, I know that sex has been a huge thing that has been skewed um, growing up. And so I just wish like a like knowing that like sex is good, but it's also good in specific boundaries. And like whenever it is, um, I mean, I, I guess I could just like relate it to fire. Like fire is good in a fireplace, but whenever fire is, you know, in a forest, it's going to burn everything down. And so I've just like seen that in my own life and wish like that was like showed more in the church. And like we're like, man, like this is a good God glorifying thing, but like it is whenever it is used right. Mm. Um, and so I, I just know that's like affected me a lot in my relationships in the past and like my desires just in general. Um, and then I think a couple other things is um, knowing that there's like not one person out there for you, that like there isn't just like this one. I, I think for a long time and I was just like, oh, like there's this one person for me. And like I think Kale said it good earlier that like there's going to be two broken people. And like if you're pursuing Jesus, like that's what matters. And like any two people that are like running after Jesus daily are, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, are like going to be able to get married and like have a relationship that is good and God glorifying. Um, yeah, I think, I think what you're talking about is just kind of that elusive one that there's only one magical person. You got to find him. Right. If you find the right, wrong person, you just won't be compatible. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for clarifying. Um, and then lastly, uh, just going back to like having good examples. I think, again, like it's talked about, or I've listened to so many like sermons and podcasts of like what it is to not do it right. But then to, because like this is is, like such a new thing, like what does it look like to actually do it right in wisdom instead of like, oh no, this is wrong. Mm -hmm. This is wrong. We shouldn't do this. So just like having better examples. And I know that's like lived out and hard to Mm -hmm. do like in sermons and podcasts and stuff, but yeah. Yeah. It's valid. I have one more thing to add. Yeah, yeah. Add away. <laughs> As everyone was talking, I was thinking about this too. Um, but I think growing up, especially when you're in like middle school and high school youth group, and even in college too, um, when you, when people talk about relationships, I feel like it's always like, yep, and you don't have sex before you're married. And that's literally the extent of relationship education. <laughs> um, and yeah. so I feel like when like I've like pursued relationships, it's always been like, well, at least I know I can't have sex before I get married. But other than that, I feel like I had no wisdom or Mm -hmm. just like wise counsel of what that needed to look like like I never knew like like emotional boundaries Mm -hmm. needed to be a thing I never knew like spiritual boundaries needed to be a thing um and so I I feel like I wish the church talked more about more aspects of the relationship besides just the physical part because yes that part is so important and has like such a big impact that could really destroy a relationship or make it super god glorifying and um like super worth it but there's just so many other aspects that I think before you get into a relationship, you need to be aware of, of that, especially when you're dating, like this person isn't your husband, this person isn't your wife. Like you don't need to be burying your whole entire soul every single day to this person. You don't want to become codependent on this person who you're not in a covenant with. Um, and even just like in so many different areas besides just emotional too. Um, I think it's important that we talk about that in that people are aware that there's other things that, um, there's a lot of aspects that play into a healthy relationship besides just not having sex before you're married. Yeah. Yeah, Cal, I totally, I totally agree with that because there are so many other things that trickle from um, the aspect of coming into a relationship and um, 
let's say like two people like do have sex and they're not, it's not in the covenant of marriage. And there's going to be so many things that trickle down from that as an effect of that, because that wasn't what Preston was saying of that's, that wasn't the intent of how it was supposed to bring the Lord glory. And so that's just a consequence of sin and what that looks like. Um, but I think too, what Preston was saying of, um, finding like the right person, like the only person. When I think about that, I get like a little like nervous because I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like a lot of pressure to try like (laughs) in my own flesh to try and find the right person. And like, I don't know how many people are in this world, like 8 billion. That's a lot of people (laughs) for me to try and find that person. And I think the Lord does not expect or want us to live a life crippled in this fear and like this idea that we have to try and like map it all out and get all the puzzle pieces together. Um, I think that because we know Jesus, we know that he wants us to walk in freedom and Mm -hmm. that when we are abiding in him and he's abiding in us, it's this every day, every second motion, not this, Oh, let me, let me take, he's like five steps ahead. And then I'm five steps behind and I need to like get there, um, and figure out what that looks like. So um, and what Preston was saying, I loved it. You said Preston, obviously, but, um, when two people are coming together and they're pursuing Jesus, I think of it as like the image of like a triangle, like two people really broken as they're like growing towards Christ, they're growing closer together. And I think that in a way that it can't be codependent on each other, it can't be, Oh, this person can satisfy my needs because that just spirals into a whole other, um, realm of things, but just this idea that, um, we can walk freely knowing that if the Lord, if that's a part of his will and we are walking with him, his plans are really sweet for our life. Um, not in a way to not, um, put yourself out there or like figure out or whatever that looks like. But also I think we can freely walk knowing I don't have to, I don't have the pressure that I have to find this one person in this world. But that's totally. my only. Per- I don't even know. Y'all can cut that out if that's all right. But <laughs> <laughs> I know it's good because I mean I, I think too another thing that this kind of idea of the mythical one does mm-hmm. is it makes it really hard for us to commit. And I think mm-hmm. that you know you see the average age of marrying you know has just continued to rise. And I think a lot of that's because we have this idea of well this person's great, but what if there's someone better out there, yeah. right? And so we constantly just we'll date and date and date and jump from relationship to relationship because we believe that I have to find the one. And if we can find something about this person that's not ideal, then we just jump to the next one. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a lot that goes into that. And I agree. There's a lot that uh, we can speak into more often. I think, I think just to, you know, I think Zach, you said something that I think really speaks into that of just our definition of love. Like if we have a proper definition of love, then that helps that, it yeah. helps tame that idea of like the the mysterious one that I've got to find. To your point, Josh, I, I need to define if I'm defining love as this elusive thing I've got to find, mm-hmm. and if that's what love is, this thing I've got to find love out there. Well, then I'm going to bounce and I'm going to go from relationship to relationship. And like you said, well, what about that girl or what about that guy? Uh, I'm always kind of looking around the corner. But if I define love as something I choose, mm-hmm. th- then it radically changes my pursuit. Uh, of that because I realize love is not something I'm looking for that someone else will complete me. Yeah, It's love is something that I have that I'm wanting to go choose to give to someone else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that commitment and that drive and that definition of love totally defines how I pursue someone else romantically. Uh, I think you're right on. I think, I think we've got to have a good biblical definition of love if we want to pursue romance in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. Last question, lightning round. If you could, so girls, think of answering this to other girls, guys to other guys. If you could say one thing to someone coming in, freshman, sophomore year of college, girls, what what would you say to girls coming into college about relationships now being seniors and kind of looking back on life? What's the one thing you think they should know about dating in college? I mean, I I have a I have a lot to say honestly, yeah. so it's hard to like pick like one thing. Um, but to kind of wrap it up in like a little little thing, I would say first of all, surround yourself with good community because, like I said earlier, if you're not surrounding yourself with people that are pursuing Jesus, you're not going to find someone who's going to pursue you well and pursue you in a way that um, brings glory to Jesus. That's number one. But number two, I feel like there's needs to like be said, like, do not put pressure on yourself to have a relationship. Um, 
you can glorify God and um, build his kingdom well as a single person. And you can also do that while you're in a relationship. Um, but even like Paul talks about how sometimes being single is even better because you just have so much more um, just room to be able to impact different people. Um, and yeah, I just think there's needs to not be this pressure of like I need to be, be loved by somebody else. Um, I need to have a boyfriend to be seen as having a successful college career. Um, at the end of the day, um, your source of freedom and your source of life. And the only thing that's ever going to satisfy your heart is Jesus and Mm -hmm. is the gospel and is the Holy spirit in you. And, um, above all things, I think pursue that. And, um, if Jesus is going to bring someone to do that alongside you, then that's awesome. But, um, above anything else, just pursue Jesus, pursue, um, good community, and don't put pressure on yourself of making a relationship the ultimate thing. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, good job, Kale. I agree. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think oh, something, uh, there are so many things that I would love to say and love to have just long conversations about. Um, I think for me personally, coming into college, I knew Jesus, yes, um, was definitely living in a perfectionist mindset, legalistic, not going to do X, Y, Z because I need to be looked at as a good Christian. And I think that was even more crippling and more detrimental, um, than anything. Um, and so my biggest advice would be walk in the freedom that you are abiding and walking, um, with Jesus and surround yourself with people like Kale said, in community. That doesn't mean that you're going to surround yourself in community just because that's where you're going to find the godly guys. Um, it means walking with other girls who will hold you accountable to the things that um, they can speak truth into your life when you are um, feeling in a rut of singleness or um, not speaking truth in life into your um heart and into your mind that you have other people walking alongside you to remind you that you are fearfully and wonderfully made and that you um, have the God of the universe dwelling within you and he desires to be a father who meets you in the mess and in the junk that you're in Um, and he wants to know your heart and your desires and so I think that's the biggest thing with community but also um, knowing that your worth will never be dictated on the amount of dates you go on in college or the boys that are pursuing you or not pursuing you. Um, I have grown so much in my relationship with Christ in college and I have not once been pursued by a godly man while I've been in school. And I think, um, in a way, so many people have told me, lower your standards. You intimidate people. You need to talk to them more, blah, blah, blah. But I know that um, if that's the Lord's will for my life, for a godly man to come in, it'll be when I am dwelling with the Father and um, that my identity is found in Him alone. And so I just hope that you come into college knowing that um, no boy or no relationship will be able to fill the void that only Christ can fill. Um and I think with with what Kale said with Paul too, I know it's very over said, I think sometimes in the church, but it's so true to dwell on of um I have been able to do so many things in college and have been able to walk alongside so many girls um, because of the margin that I've had of not being in a relationship. And who's to say, I think that if you are in a relationship, you totally can do that. But also you're trying to walk through life with someone else who's broken and you're trying to bring glory to the Lord through that too. And so um, the amount of um, lives and what the Lord has been able to do with my time um, being single in college has been such a gift. So it's awesome. Love that. Guys? Yeah. Um, first, just to guys, I was just thinking, like, there's there's no amount of sexual sin of, like, past relationship hurt that is not redeemable. Um, and to start there, I just, like, <laughs> I've been waiting to say this. Kaylee and I have been dating for six months. And, uh, <laughs> like, where, where can I throw that in? Um, but just, like, I've, like, shared some of my story and just, like, to see the Lord just like redeem like my own life and like my own sexuality within that to like be able to just like pursue a pure relationship with her has just been so sweet and like nothing that I could have done on my own and so just like knowing that like man like there's nothing that's too far and like I get like running to that those sources of affirmation whether it's physical emotional like those things are real um but they're ultimately not the source that is going to be satisfying and it starts with the Lord starts with your relationship with God 
Um, and then it starts with spending time with people that are going to push you towards good things and knowing what those good things are. That's good. Yeah. So I think quick 30 second background. Um, I, um, came to college, met a girl and we started dating right away and here's just not the actual tip, but a side tip, never say that you think you're going to marry a girl. Cause I wrote that down in a journal that I still have. <laughs> and, uh, let me tell you, it didn't happen. Um, but that all to say, like God does not care about your plans or my plans. Um, and kind of just like, <laughs> don't be the ruler of your own life and don't like try to make things work and recognize that things like could not be working. And, um, I think that's really something that I had to wrestle with and, um, kind of wanting my own plan for my life and having to like, let God have that, that part of my life. Um, I think is a really big thing I had to wrestle with. And also, um, I think like guys help each other, um, like help each other lead well, cause it's hard to do right. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to do alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those two things mm-hmm. are really good. That's mm-hmm. tips. Really good. Before we close, Ben, any last thoughts or. Yeah, th- this has been awesome. I-, I think too, I walk away from this conversation, uh, with hopefully people hear this with a lot of hope, mm. you know, and knowing that clearly there's something off. Clearly there's something broken about just romantic relationships in, in college specifically, uh, but there is so much hope. And and I think that it can be done in a really healthy way. And even in my role as a young adult pastor over the last decade, seeing couples do it really well uh, in, in a way that glorifies God and that's satisfying and sweet. And even seeing couples that have done it horribly and God has redeemed those mm, relationships yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Um, that man, our God, and you touched on it, Preston, our God is in the business of taking broken things and making them great. And so I, I take a lot of encouragement from this conversation of no matter where you're in that spectrum of relationships and how good or how bad you've done it, uh, I think we have a God who says, man, I have something better for you. Mm-hmm. Whether you've already been doing it healthy, I think we've all admitted even the healthiest relationships are still two broken sinners mm-hmm. pursuing Christ. Mm-hmm. And so wherever you are, it's, man, we have a God who says, I love you right where you're at but I also have something better for you. So keep walking, keep taking baby steps. And I, I think a constant theme in this conversation has been community. Mm. Take those baby steps in community with other people taking those steps and learning what that looks like and, and submitting to the Lord together. So yeah. I hope it, I hope it's encouraging. I, I've definitely been encouraged. Yeah, totally. Well, y'all, thanks for taking time. Uh, it was awesome chatting. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. This was fun. Awesome. Thank you. Well, I don't know about you, but I thought that was a very rich conversation. And so, Ben, as we close, give us a few takeaways. Yeah, I did too. I, I loved it. Um, I think one takeaway is I hope people who listen to that, I think for one, don't feel alone. Mm. Uh, you know, I think just hearing from those those students, um, I, I think hopefully gives some encouragement that, man, whether you have approached it and made some horrible mistakes, whether you've approached dating and relationships in some healthy ways and avoided mistakes, but still feel like something's off and still feel lonely, um, that you are not alone. Mm. Uh, there really is community out there still really searching for what it really looks like in a healthy way. Um, and I'm proud of that and I'm proud of them. And I hope that uh, people listening feel that and feel encouraged. Um I think the other thing that stuck out to me, Josh, was uh, just kind of this idea of what we're looking for is really going to be based on if we have a proper definition of really what love is. Yeah, totally. I mean, if we're talking about romance and we're talking about, you know, these relationships that are built on on love or some foundation, hopefully leading towards love, if we have the wrong definition of what we're aiming for, then we're just going to keep missing. Right. And I think we see that so much in college. In the college world, there's so many false definitions of what romance should look like, what love should look like, all of these different arbitrary scales of I think I'm falling in love <laughs> or maybe or you know, right. all, all of this stuff that uh, I think the world sells us of what you know, maybe, maybe what it looks like to conquer the other gender or what it looks like to um, put up healthy boundaries. And I, I think really digging into scripture, digging into biblical community, I think our... Uh, desire to get it right uh, should drive us um, not just to the world. It should drive us to scripture. Yeah. What really, how has Christ modeled love and how should that look like even in romantic relationships? And, and we're going to have people in college who are going to continue to come out of college and they're going to be so frustrated that they weren't able to find it. And it's because they were looking in the wrong place Mm. and they were looking in places that were defining love, not in a biblical sense. 
Um, I think an illustration of that is if you're trying to eat healthy and you're like, okay, I'm going to eat salads, man. Like I'm just going to eat a bunch of salads and get super healthy. And then you go to all you can eat Chinese buffet (laughs) and you're yakking in the back alley (laughs) in the trash can and you're confused why you don't feel good. It's because, yeah, because you're not going to find a healthy salad and all you can eat Chinese buffet. Yeah, totally. You're going to find a lot of cheap Chinese food. (laughs) Um, and and I think that's what happens in college so often is knowing where you're pursuing. So I think for college students to say, man, what is the community that I'm in? Yeah. Like, what's the pool of people I'm dating in? And and even within the church, I think the whole point of this podcast is, man, there's, there's some things off. Yeah. But as a community, can we continue to go back to what does scripture say love is? Totally. How is it defined? How does Christ love? And start modeling that and speaking that into each other's lives. And I think there is a ton of hope and, and we've seen it play out in, in people's lives in sweet ways. So it was, yeah. a, it was definitely an encouraging conversation. Yeah. And I agree. I agree. That's really good. Well, y'all, we hope this was a really helpful, beneficial episode. Uh, Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time for another installment of Something's Off.